Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The NFL is still king. I've got three different NFL stories that I want to start you off with on this Wednesday. I mean, how about that? Off-season, midweek, NFL, multiple stories. As you know, longtime Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman retired from the game. We know this. And instead of dapping this dude up for a really nice career, a decade-plus career, instead, hot nation, hot take nation, rushed in and demanded to have two questions answered right away. Just throwing up all over themselves, spewing lava, and demanding to know. No sooner than this guy released a video saying that he was stepping down and calling it a day, immediately the questions began. Is he a Hall of Famer? Two questions. Is he a Hall of Famer, and is he only doing this so he could go to Tampa and hook up with his boys, TB43 and Gronk? I mean, the guy wasn't retired five seconds before those two stories became things. Now, speaking of Gronk, Gronk did touch down here in L.A. yesterday. It took all of two seconds for TMZ to locate him, roll up on him, and ask him those very same questions. First, though, here is Gronk on Edelman's retirement. Julian Edelman retiring. Yeah, he's a beast. Nothing but a huge crowd for Julian, man. He was a great teammate. Uh, three-time Super Bowl champ, MVP of the Super Bowl. You got to give it to Jules, man. He gave it his all. I like that. Actually, I like that. You were talking about a beast. That's like beast recognizing beast. Except they're two totally different beasts. Look at Gronk. He's a beast. I love Gronk saying Jules, who goes maybe 5'10", is a beast. He's a beast. Nothing but huge props. Great teammate. He gave it his all. That's great. He's all about shining up his guy, Jules. Well, to a certain point. I mean, he did call him a beast, but then TMZ asked the question that not even Gronk could lie about. Is he a Hall of Famer? Jules? Yeah, he's he's a Patriot Hall of Famer for sure. Uh Uh-oh! Uh-oh! Let's try that one more time. Is he a Hall of Famer? Jules? Yeah, he's, he's a Patriot Hall of Famer for sure. So you hear that, right? Listen to Gronk get thrown in a washing machine when he gets the dreaded question that he had to know was coming. Is Julian a Hall of Famer? Is he a Hall of Famer? Jules? Yeah, he's he's a Patriot Hall of Famer for sure. So awesome. You got to credit the big man for finding that off-ramp that led him right to the, uh, 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 he's a Patriots Hall of Famer. Found that line pretty quickly. Pretty nimble. Pretty quick on his feet for the big dude. I love how the entire conversation was about Julian Edelman right up until that point when the cameraman asked Kronk, is he a Hall of Famer? Man, he's so caught off guard because he knows that Edelman probably isn't. So he just blurts out, uh, Jules? Is he a Hall of Famer? Jules? Uh, Yes, Kronk, Jules. The same guy the entire conversation has been about. The entire time. Uh, wait, who are we talking about? Jules? Jules? Yeah, yes, Gronk, Jules. You're just sitting there doing a Q&A about Jules. Most of the time, guys will say all the right things, even if it's the wrong take. 
and a bold-faced lie. Like you'd expect Gronk to maybe say something like, hell yeah, hell yes, he's a Hall of Famer. What would Canton be without my guy Jules? Except that's not what he does. He stumbles out of the gates, and then he perfectly redirects Julian into the proper Hall of Fame, the Team Hall of Fame, instead of the Mac Daddy Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, it's actually very well done by the big lug. Is he a Hall of Famer? Jules? Yeah, he's, he's a Patriot Hall of Famer for sure. All right, now, before you come in here and you cite context and say that I took it out of context and didn't play the whole thing, in fairness to Gronk, that same cameraman from TMZ did double down and ask him the same question about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Gronk said there was a chance for Julian to get in because the numbers do not always tell the entire story. And Gronk is also right about that. The numbers sometimes do not tell the entire story. But in the case of Julian Edelman, they do tell the entire story. As I said yesterday, this guy had a great career. He was a great player. I couldn't respect this guy's heart, his drive, his toughness, his grit, his mental fortitude. I couldn't respect all of that any more than I do. But that in and of itself does not put this guy in the Hall of Fame. He's not a Hall of Famer. Look at the numbers and look at the other guys who played the same position and look at the numbers they put up, the ones who are not in, and there's no way you can make an argument that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. An amazing story. A Patriot great, but not an all-time great, which is why Gronk Put him in the Patriots Hall of Fame right away and not the Pro Football Hall of Fame and only hedged when he had a chance to double back. Now, as for the second question that everybody's been asking, will Edelman unretire and will he join Gronk and TB43 in Tampa? Here is Gronk's response on that. Is there any chance that he ends up in Tampa Bay with you guys next year? Has there- a 69% chance. Oh, Gronk. He went there again. You find yourself somebody in life who loves you half as much as Gronk loves 69 jokes. One more, I got 69 touchdowns, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Only you know what I mean, baby. Yeah, baby. We all know what you mean, Gronk. (laughs) You find anybody anywhere in any walk of life that loves anything half as much as Gronk loves to make 69 jokes. That's a 69% chance. Oh! <laughs> like, in other words, that's never not going to be funny to Gronk. And I'm not laughing at that dumb joke. I'm laughing at how much he loves his dumb joke. All right, moving on. Moving on to Tampa, from Tampa to Buffalo. Moving on to the Bills and the Bills Mafia. Good news, Mafia. The state of New York says that you can go back to games next year at 100% capacity. And all you have to do to make that a reality is get vaccinated. It seems like a win-win to me. Get the miracle spike. Get back into Orchard Park. Save some lives, see some games. I'm all about it. I think it's awesome. I think it's a no-brainer 
personally, personally, I did not need the incentive of a free Krispy Kreme donut or a ticket to a game to get my shot. I wanted that shot. I got that shot. I want the second shot. I don't know. Call me crazy, but I'm just into general health and survival. Those things are important to me. I want to be around. However, the peace of mind of knowing 72,000 Bills fans around me are also vaccinated is worth whatever bribe you have to put in front of these people. The only thing better than being safe yourself is knowing that everybody else in that same building is just as safe and that they weren't allowed in without proof of being just as safe. Let's be real. You know there's no bigger proponent of the Bills nor the Mafia than yours truly. But can we be real? If there's one fan base, maybe, possibly, more prone to spreading COVID than any other fan base, it might, I stress, it might be you, Bills Mafia. And I base that on what? The pictures. We've all seen them. Parking lot sex. Cocaine off bleacher seats. The beer luge through another person's ass crack. If you're going to share a rolled up dollar bill while you toot blow and you're going to exchange bodily fluids in the parking lot and you're going to drink cold ones out each other's backsides, then yes, I need for you to be vaccinated. Especially if you're going to be sitting next to me at the game or in the same stadium as me. It's not too much to ask. Here's to a totally full, totally vaccinated Highmark Stadium in 2021. Hey, you want to hear something utterly amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. That's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. We are joined by Chris Beard. My guy. I'm not going to even act like I'm not excited to have this conversation, nor am I going to act like I'm not pumped up for you. I'm not going to be all objective and bleep. What's going on, dude? How are you, and how have the last couple of weeks been for you, Chris? Jim, great to be on. Uh, last couple of weeks have been crazy. I, I keep asking what day it is, um, but it's been a lot of fun, and we're excited for this next challenge. All right, so let's talk about that next challenge. You had an awesome thing going at Texas Tech. I know because I saw it firsthand. I was there. I saw how much you loved being there. So what was your reaction when you first got word that Texas wanted to have a conversation with you? Uh, First reaction, um, didn't think that was going to happen. You know, Shock and I were friends, and um, we had just competed against those guys a few days earlier in the uh, Big 12 tournament. Um, but in college basketball, you expect the unexpected. Um, and so I was, I was happy for my friend Shaka uh, that he got an opportunity um, that he was excited about. So this still moved fast here. Um, but first first reaction was uh, thinking more about Shaka than myself. Talking to Chris Beard, you know, I had a conversation with him recently too, and he's in a really good spot as well. The story goes, Chris, that you and the AD, Chris Del Conte, met at a comfort inn, and then you grabbed a couple of egg McMuffins, and then you continued the conversation. What was that conversation like? Man, and how good do those egg McMuffins taste? 
Yeah, so Plainview uh, is a great city in West Texas. My boss, CDC, um, I think had never been to Plainview before, so he just got kind of a one-route idea, you know, hotel to McDonald's. Um, Jim, you know my background. I mean, I, you know, if there's anything wrong with McDonald's, I don't know about it. Uh, the drive through was efficient. The coffee was on point. Um, and anybody that tells you they don't like an Egg McMuffin is not telling you the truth. I mean, who doesn't like an Egg McMuffin? That, that's, uh, I feel strongly about that. I don't care what neighborhood you're from, um, what age bracket you're in. If you're not down with the Egg McMuffin, you're not a truth teller. You know, it's if you're not down with the Egg McMuffin, you are not a truth teller. And as you're telling that story, Chris, literally my EP, Adam Hawk, said, and I quote, this is the greatest take in the history of the jungle. Now, the guy's only <laughs> been here five years, but that's still a very strong statement from my producer. And I happen to agree with you. If you've got a problem with that, you've got a problem with you. Now, Chris, you are a UT alum. You worked under my guy Tom Penders back in the day. What's it mean to be back home as the head coach and leading this program? Has that sunk in? And can you put that in words? It's in the process of sinking in. You know, like I, I've always been a guy that tries to live where my feet are. Is the is the vocabulary that we tell our players? Um, like, look, the game's tomorrow, but we can't think about that. We're right here, right now. It's practice time. Let's live where our feet are. So, um, try to practice. You know what I preach in that regard. Um, but you know, being back, um, walking around campus, reconnecting with some people here. This is where my coaching journey started, you know, uh, with Coach Penders and EO and Vic and those guys, you know, gave me an opportunity at a young age to be around college basketball. Um, so, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be telling the truth if I didn't tell you that it, it has been memory lane. Um, sometimes I got to slap myself a little bit and get back on the phone recruiting because uh, this memory this memory lane's cool, uh, but, but coaching really good players at Texas and making Final Fours is a little bit cooler. Yep. I'm going to ask you about that in one minute, Chris. I want to ask you about Lubbock and Texas Tech one more time. Like, for instance, whenever guys leave positions, they always seem to say the right thing and they thank the right people. Listen, again, I, I saw it. I saw you there. I saw how much you loved it there. I saw the blood, sweat, and tears that you put in there. I saw the commitment they made to you. How difficult was it to say goodbye to the folks there? It was very difficult, and I, I won't shy away from that question. I never will. It was one of the most difficult decisions of my life. Um, but just like I, you know, tell the players and, um, I've been taught, you know, I, you, you make a decision in life and you make it right. Uh, you make it right with your work ethic and your vision. Um, I do try to live my life with a no regret philosophy. Um, but I'm really proud of our time there. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but this is the next, the next chapter. Um, my feet are firmly planted in Austin, Texas. Um, I think we put one of the best coaching staffs together in the country. Uh, recruiting is going well. Um, but I'm very proud of my time at Tech. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I think the success speaks for itself. Um, really proud that our assistant coach, Mark Adams, got a head coaching opportunity. So I think when the team wins, everybody uh, wins. Just very similar to when some of our great players leave early. Um, you know, you, you're sad and disappointed, but you're very, very happy that those guys are chasing their dreams. Texas head basketball coach Chris Beer joining us. You mentioned recruiting a couple of times. I know how important that is. Like, you're in a good spot, and it's a dream come true, but you've already gone to work. You've hit the ground running, both in terms of connecting with your current players and reaching out to guys in the transfer portal. What has the process been like? What has your message been? How pleased are you with the results so far? It's been crazy. You know, this portal is like the wild, wild west. It's, uh, I think college basketball has changed, obviously. Um, you know, you're in the portal, you're checking out players, you, 
you step outside to take a phone call, and then you come back in. There's 27 more players in the portal. So this thing's moving at, at lightning speed, and we're trying to stay ahead of the curve. Um, one of the really cool things, Jim, has just been getting to know our current players here. You know, it's kind of a unique spot, right? Like we've competed against these guys so many times over the years. The respect's off the charts. And it's just been really cool getting to know these guys. We all share, you know, some stories uh, from the battles we've had over the years. Um, but that's been, you know, I've had a few job transitions in my career, obviously, but this one's really unique in the fact that, you know, you're getting to know your players, but it's kind of like you already know them because you've been playing against them for so long. Yeah, that's got to be cool. Chris Beer joining us. So what about Andrew Jones? He announced that he's going to come back for another year. I had him on the show, Chris, back in January. I could not have been more impressed with him, his journey, his maturity. What's it mean to you to have him come back? Well, first of all, it's always been a big fan. You know, Andrew and I are from the same hometown. We both grew up in Irving, Texas, outside of Dallas. Um, one time years ago when we were playing those guys, I ran into him before the game and said, hey, man, how, how's it feel to be the second best player from Irving? <laughs> he, he, he looked at me like I was crazy. Right. Um, then I guess somebody told him after the fact that I had played at Irving. Uh, obviously, he didn't know that, nor, nor do many other people either, Jim. <laughs> um, but all these right. guys got great personalities. Um, so – the players here have been unbelievable. Uh, the communication, we're working with each guy to make the best decision for their future. Um, you know, transferring is a part of college basketball. It's never been our objective to make guys stay or encourage guys to leave. It's always been our objective to get relationships with guys and make sure they make the best decision for them. Um, but we've got three guys on board, and um, it's, it's powerful. You know, like you never forget those first guys that, that jump on board with you. You never forget those first guys that trust you. Um, so I look forward to reminding these guys one day when we're on a ladder cutting a net down, like, hey, man, I'll never forget you guys jumping on board first. Thank you. Chris Beer joining us for a few more moments. You've always been a street dog. So what I'm curious is, I mean, when you've been where you've been, and you and I have talked about all the places you've been, you've got to be a street dog. And you've always been that street dog. And then you show up now in Texas where, man, everything is shiny. Everything is – I mean, you've got everything you need except for the results that you have to still go get. Are you still a street dog? I mean, does that mentality come with you to Austin, and is it going to be a street dog team? Absolutely. One million percent. That'll never change. And I think, um, you know, there's two, two ways to look um, at Texas. One, there's no doubt about it. This is a national brand. This is Texas. Um, you don't, you don't come, come coach or play at Texas unless you know what you're getting into. You have to have an edge. Uh, you have to understand – you know, the expectations, uh, and I do. That's why I'm coaching here. I'm excited. I wouldn't want it any other way. And now we're trying to find players that embrace that challenge too. So to me, um, you've got to be the toughest guy in the room. You've got to have that street dog mentality. You've got to have that edge, uh, or this stage will eat you up. Um, but what's exciting, and we're in the process of getting it done right now, when you get the guys that want to play under the big lights and you get the guys that want to play under these expectations, you know, that's when special can happen. Um, that's exactly what we're working really hard on trying to get done you know, sooner than later. Hey, listen, I believe you, Chris, when you say that. Like, You have to know what the expectations are, but there's been a lot of guys who have come through that program, football, basketball, otherwise, who really thought they knew what the expectations were and got eaten alive. Now, I'm not saying that you don't know. I'm just saying people think they know, and then they get there, and it's not what it is. But then again, I would say a lot of coaches are upset that they feel like it's not fair to be based on what happens in March. Like, one 40-minute game in March should not define an entire season. You seem to look at it a different way, right? You're talking about the program being a Monday night program. It seems self-evident, but what do you mean by that, a Monday night program? Well, I think you got to dream big. You know, I, I tell the players, you know, 
my life philosophy is pretty simple. What do you want and what are you willing to do to get what you want? Um, and I know what I want. I want to coach NBA players. I want every player to graduate. I want to sell at every game. And I want to play on Monday nights. Um, and I want to win that Monday night game. And I think I need to change what I want because I've been saying for years I want to play in that game. And I got there, so now we try to win it. Um, and so when you get players that know what they want, you know, it's, it's like the difference between rec- recruiting two players. I've recruited some players over the years. Hey, what do you want? I want to be great. Well, that sounds good. But then you recruit another player, and he goes, hey, look, I want to score 10 points a game as a freshman. I want to gain 15 pounds of muscle. I want to be a 42% three-point shooter. I want to get my degree in three years. I want to have $10 million in the bank by the time I'm 30. This is a different level of knowing what you want. And so that's what we're looking for at Texas, guys that know what they want. And then the second part, obviously more important, hey, what are you willing to do to get what you want? You know, at a young age, I said, I want to coach on the biggest stage of college basketball. Um, but I also was willing to do the things that it took to get here. Um, and that's the whole deal in recruiting to Texas, finding guys that, that know what they want and finding guys that are willing to do what it takes to get what they want. But so finally, those things, how did you do that? When you consider where you were not that long ago, you are now on the biggest stage. You knew what you wanted. What were you willing to do to get what you wanted? What were those things? You know, just do things other people aren't willing to do. You know, make sacrifices and, and uh, you know, and, and dedicate myself, um, eliminate distractions, and just always remember what's important. And in my business, Jim, it's really important. Uh, it's very easy. The players are what's most important. College basketball is all about the players. So today, you know, I've got 8 million things to do, but I will constantly get back to what's important, and that's the players, our current players here in Texas and the guys that we're out there recruiting. Um, and so that's kind of been my philosophy over the years, and that's why we've had success. Um, whether it be Little Rock, Angelo State, Texas Tech most recently, when you get really good players and everybody's on the same page uh, and you've got a culture where everybody understands the expectations and believes in the process, you know, special can happen. And that's what we're going to get done here at Texas. A lot of challenges. Um, You know, it's it's not going to be easy, but nothing in life is easy that's worthwhile. The head basketball coach at the University of Texas. Well, my guy, if you had 8 million things to do today, and I believe you, I'm glad that you made this show one of those things, man. So good to have you back. I'm really happy for you, Chris. I know you got work to do. I know you're going to hammer it. You're going to nail it. You're going to kill it. But I do appreciate you, the friendship, the relationship. Thank you for coming on the program. And I know you and I will connect once again soon. Congrats to you, my man. Jim, our next connection is I'm going to eat, uh, text message you a picture of my next egg McMuffin. Are you looking to grab some protein after a good workout? Of course, except this time, do it differently. Do not make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire, and it goes with you wherever you go. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name. Because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Let me talk for a minute about the Minnesota T-Wolves. Now, they've been for sale for quite some time. The T-Wolves have been for sale for a while, and they've been pretty crappy for a while. So you would think that the announcement that a deal was in place to sell the T-Wolves might inspire some hope, maybe some confidence in and around the organization. I'm just not sure that it has. According to a report from The Athletic on Saturday, a group involving Alex Rodriguez has signed a letter of intent and they're negotiating with the current owner, Glenn Taylor, to become the next owner of the T-Wolves. Alex Rodriguez 
Does that name ring a bell? Who is this dude? Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez. Oh, Alex Rodriguez. That Alex Rodriguez looking to buy a basketball team? Kind of weird, right? Well, not so much when you consider that he missed out on buying the Mets. He missed out on the Mets. Now he's looking to buy a basketball team because, I don't know, because A-Rod. I don't know. I don't know, but actually, I kind of like it. I mean, big swing, dude. Let it rip. Let's see what he can do as part of the ownership group of the T-Wolves. After all, there's nowhere to go but up. However, that's just me. What do the T-Wolves players themselves think? Are they fired up? Are they into it? Why don't we start with rookie Anthony Edwards? Anthony, my guy, what are your thoughts about your new potential boss and owner, Alex Rodriguez? Do you have any thoughts about him? Are you an A-Rod fan at all growing up or anything like that? What do you think about what he might bring to the team? A fan? Who is he? The baseball player, Alex Rodriguez? Yeah, no, nah, I don't know what it is. Okay. I know he's going to be the owner, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know nothing about baseball. Holy crap, that is savage. This guy's buying into a team, and his star rookie has never even heard of him. He doesn't know who he is. All right? We're not talking about some dot-com millionaire, billionaire. We're talking about one of the all-time greats. He's never even heard of him. Quote, a fan. What do you mean? Who is he? And then he chased that with, I don't know who he is. I know he's going to be the owner, but I don't know nothing about baseball. I mean, why not just throw in, never heard of him at the end of it? Like, who? Is he an actor? Is he a media guy? Is he a golfer? Why are you asking me about this dude like I'm supposed to know who this guy is? Is he famous? Is he famous to you? Because he's not famous to me. That was Edwards' most fierce dunk since he did this. They were lucky that wasn't turned over. Anthony Edwards, that time he does finish with the exclamation point. Why the hell he got his feelings hurt on this one? I mean, that is absolutely filthy. There have been very few in-game dunks that have looked like that. Put that on a poster. You know what? As hard as he dunked on Watanabe... He just dunked on Alex Rodriguez even harder. Edwards threw down on Rodriguez harder than Miles Bridges threw down on Clint Capella. And that dunk was so nasty and dirty and disgusting and filthy that the announcer could do nothing other than just scream his last name and put it on repeat. Cody Zeller offensive rebound. Bridges! 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 Now, this is the time where it'd be easy to point out that, look, Edwards is a young guy. He's only 19. He either was not alive nor or wasn't paying attention for most of Alex Rodriguez's best moments. And then you have to consider that maybe he just wasn't into baseball. But that's not the case. Not the case at all. Check this interview with Marnie Geller back in the preseason. I used to play baseball when I was young. Yeah, it'd be hot. Really? How good a baseball player were you? I could have went to the MLB. MLB? Yeah. I am not surprised. I'm, I'm serious, though. You- no, I just, I love your confidence. I what positions pitcher. did you play? I played pitcher, shortstop, Next. third base, and center field. Those are the prime positions. That's what, that what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, you were the best player on your team. Yeah, it's that, then, then we talking. You could hit the ball. 
But I was fourth, fifth hitter. You know what that mean. Clean up. Yeah. Straight clean up on aisle three. This dude's the best. I love him. So not only was Edwards into baseball, he was damn good at baseball. And he's pretty certain that he would have played Major League Baseball. You know, the same sport at the same level that Alex Rodriguez played. Yet he's the one asking, who is he? When asked about A-Rod. Again, I love that. I love a guy who's asked about the potential new owner and does not go with some cliche about how it should be good for the organization. He can't wait to get a new perspective on things. He wants to see what an outsider can do to help reshape the culture. Instead, he's just saying, who is he? Roll it again. Do you have any thoughts about him? Are you an A-Rod fan at all growing up or anything like that? What do you think about what he might bring to the team? A fan? Who is he? The baseball player? Alex Rodriguez? Yeah, no, nah, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I know he's going to be the owner, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know nothing about baseball. What do you mean you don't know nothing about baseball? You just said a minute ago that you were going to be a major leaguer one day, or you could have been. This dude's the best. So it, it really does set up a question. Does he really not know who A-Rod is? Or is he pretending to not know who A-Rod is? Either way, it's genius. Like, it's performance art. It's beautiful. It's just another in a long list of great press conference moments from Edwards this season. Like, this is one of my favorites. Check this guy. This is his reaction to hearing an Irish accent. So, so if you get a win tonight, that would breed confidence going into those next four games against teams in the similar spots beside you in the table. Where are you from, Jim? Ireland. I like your accent. It's tough. Oh. I want to learn how to talk like that. But ask your question again. I was too much listening to your accent. Yeah, no problem, And I like your accent. It's tough. Ask your question again. I was too busy listening to your accent. Man, my, my, my man is funny. That's a funny dude. He's got a lot of it. He's got a lot of charisma. He's got game. He's got presence. Um, this is not just some dude who's dropping funny lines in press conferences. He's dropping great stat lines every night. 24-6 and six per game last month. At this point in the season, when rookies are supposed to slam into the wall, he's averaging 23-5. and five. This is a guy who is giving you a reason to tune into T-Wolves games and their pressers. How many guys in the league can you say that about? How many T-Wolves can you say that about? Ever. You never know what you're going to see or get when this guy takes the court, and you never know what you're going to see or get when you hear him when he sits behind a mic the best star on the floor and a star off it and he has no idea who A-Rod is who is he he, man here are your beefs starting with the social dear Jim I have beef it's with wheel of fortune every time a contestant guesses a correct letter it makes a ding sound in which my dog thinks it's the doorbell which sets her off stop buying vowels when you already know the answer to the puzzle it's really pissing my dog off not to mention my neighbor whom i share a wall with bob and the buff hello that's how he wrote it bob and the buff hello dear jim On behalf of all letter carriers across the country, our beef is with people that don't get their mail out of the mailbox. Get your freaking mail out of your mailbox. I have more stuff to jam in there every day. Brandon in Myrtle Beach wore USPS. 
Unwar, UPS, FedEx, Amazon, Bush League delivery. Hey, Rome, here's my beef. I was about to drive myself to the ER because of an allergic reaction to fire ants. My neighbor volunteered to drive me. The son of a bitch is a cab driver and turned on his meter to charge me a fare. Thanks a lot, neighbor. Chad in Orlando. Hey, Chad, I so badly want that to be true, but I know it's not. But I want it to be. Rome, my beef is with some of Hollywood's casting choices. Like Kevin James as Sean Payton. Toby Maguire as Spider-Man, Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader, and Space Jam, not casting you in the sequel. Jeremiah and Greenville. Hey, you know how life is? You win some, you lose some, you got to roll with it all. My reaction to not being cast, though, in that show is a-holes. A-holes. I want nothing to do with you a-holes. That's personal, man. There is absolutely no good reason why I should not have been cast in that movie. Bitter much? Yes. Very. Hi, Jim. How do you not let me reprise that amazing role of me, a-holes? Hi, Jim. My beef is with my sister-in-law constantly sending on this day pictures. I like where this guy's going already. My beef is with my sister-in-law constantly sending on this day pictures in our family group chat. We get it. Your kids are cute, and they used to be really cute. Maybe you can just send them directly to their grandparents and save us from all the cute and my have they grown or time flies banter. Steve K. Well done, Steve. Not good enough for even a golf clap, but well done. Let's see. Dear Jim, my beef is with airline passenger asshats who are unable to take their seat in the row behind me without giving my seat the Heimlich Maneuver. Hey, slugs, if you lack the core strength to slightly bend your knees without shuffling two feet to your side, maybe mix in a few crunches and some kale into the daily routine. Yours, Brad in Charlotte, harboring quiet disdain for asshat Airline passengers. We don't get as much as that because we have not been on airplanes much of late. He's got a point though, right? Rome. My beef is with those McDonald's drive throughs with two different lanes to order. The hell is this? All this does is create an extremely awkward face-off between cars in the two lanes to see who can inch up more aggressively to get back in the main lane. Unnecessary and enraging. Nate in GR. That's solid. Dear Rome, I have beef with my two-year-old who has the mouth of a sailor. Listen, son. If you want to cuss like a man, then start paying some house bills like a man. Johnny in Green Bay. Is that true? Hey, John. Is that true? When, uh, really quickly, I digress. When Jake, when Jake was a baby, for some reason, and, and Janet was just smothering Jake and was with Jake all day long as a mom, and I was at work all day long, 
And for whatever reason, Jake was like, dada, 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 but would never say mama, mama, mama. And mama was getting really bent. Mama was getting really all out of sorts out of that. Like, why, why is that? Why will he talk to you and address you when I'm the one who's here with him all day long and you come home after work? What, what about me? What about me? And she was getting really upset about that. And one day she walks by and he looks at her and goes, hey, Janet, what's up? I'm like, there you go. You happy now? Hey, Janet. I'm still only getting dada. Hey, Jim, my beef is with office massage guy. All right, here comes a lie already, but here we go. My beef is with office massage guy. This guy will greet you and then without permission will proceed to walk behind you and put his smelly fingers on your shoulders and then tells you that you're tense. Of course I'm tense, David from accounting. There's a strange man giving me a rub down when I didn't ask for one. Brian in OKC. Listen, the beefs are fine no matter what they are as long as they're true. And nobody's rubbing you up without your permission at work. Come on, man. Hey, Rome, I got a beef. It's with the JTP bags. And the five guys is too expensive thread. If you deadbeats can't afford 50 bucks... On a burger, fries, and a small Coke, then don't go to Five Guys. Shut up and hit the Mickey D's dollar menu. Aaron in Iowa. Again, one of my favorite things about the beef segment. Like, literally all 50 participate. I'm getting beefs from everywhere, man. The Northeast, the Midwest, the West Coast, down South. I love it. Romy, I got a beef with Ashley in Nebraska. For taking a run at Dyson. What the hell is wrong with a product that's sleek, futuristic, ridiculously overpriced, and will inevitably fail miserably? Regards, Elon Musk. Denny in the 402. Johnny tweets, Jimmy, I have a beef. My beef is when I wake up from a nap and I see the other pilot also napping. Signed, John in Annapolis. By the way, bro, we all have a beef with that. One of you slacks have got to stay awake when you're flying that bird. Wells is in. Hey, Rome, I got a beef. There's not enough food. I'm just kidding, Wells. My beef is with my wife. I'm working from home, and instead of making me breakfast, she's doing some dumb jazzercise class. This is a house, not a gym. If you want to exercise... Exercise your cooking skills. Wow, dude, are you dumb? I mean, you're a troll, but really, Wells? Hey, Jim, my beef is with my wife still trying to pass off her dry-ass ham from Easter. Now we're getting somewhere. With my wife trying to pass off her dry-ass ham from Easter. First, it was the main dinner. Then sandwiches. Last Sunday, it was omelets. And now she's looking to put the ham in a pot of beans nearly two weeks later. Note to wife, I have a job. Just because we watched Grapes of Wrath doesn't mean we need to live it. Let it go. Jim in Temecula. There is the first applause. Well done, Jimmy. Hi, Jim. I have a beef with ballpoint pens. 
when my pen gets stuck, I have to get out my Bic lighter to heat the end of it in order to loosen the ink. And since I've got the lighter out, I end up lighting up a doobie and then I'm too baked to do anything else for the rest of the day. Damn pen. Sarah T. War lady Sarah T. Getting baked. Let's get at it. Let's go to the phones. We go to Chris in Grand Rapids. Chris, what's your beef? My beef's with uh, all these Lions fans and some of these people that think that old Stafford's number needs to be retired or he needs to be enshrined in some Detroit Sports Hall of Fame. We're Jared Goff in the rejects now. And if you think Stafford's going to come back and retire in Detroit after he wins a Super Bowl in L.A., I think you're crazy. So, Jared Goff in the rejects. Thank you. All right. You got it. 1-800-636-8686. I'm not totally clear on what that beef was, but I kind of get it a little bit. Sort of not really. Let's go to Texas. Johnny, Johnny, what's your beef? Hey, Jimmy. My beef is with candles that cost 10 bucks. Hey, Yankee Candle. If you're only going to last 30 minutes, I'm going to go ahead and hit the house with some Renews It instead. That's it. Just so I'm clear on that one. Uh, first of all, social media beefs are way better than phone call beefs. But then again, how is that guy going to work that into a social media beef? He's not paying for a $50 candle when instead he's just going to get a can of Renews It. Glade. Did not want any of that. Febreze was too busy to jump in on that. I don't know, dude. That was a pretty bad beef. And by pretty bad beef, I think the worst beef we've had since we started. Let's keep going. 1-800-636-8686. Wyoming. All right, now I like Wyoming. Charles in Wyoming. Charles, what's your beef? My beefs with AT&T's crappy service getting me ran off the Jim Rome show three weeks ago, making me look like the asshole my girlfriend tells my her friends I am. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Hey, Chuck. Not a very good call. Quote, AT&T might have gotten you run three weeks ago, but you yourself just got you run right now by going with that blast. Hey, really quickly, remember... Know your room. I understand the rooms change. They're different platforms. You cannot be profane on this show. You can on the podcast, but you cannot be profane on this show. This show is on the CBS Sports Radio Network. It's on the middle of the day, on terrestrial radio. You cannot do that. And some of you don't even mean to do it. But just know, I don't care about your intent. You can't do it. So now, quote, AT&T's got you run. And you yourself have got yourself run. Boy, this is really bad. The phone section of the beef today is not working at all. Of course, when it's bad, it's good sometimes. Today, it's just bad. Let's try Sacktown. Stoney, Stoney, what is your beef? Hey, Jimmy, my beef is with the third party coming into the golf game. We're all teed up. And he comes and says, what you doing, guys? Kills me. Out. Like I said... The phone call portion of the beef segment is not working very well today. Let's try Kansas City. Dave and KC, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking the call. I got beef with my wife for 
whenever she goes in to use the butter, she can't seem to get out of it without leaving a half a gram of crumbs all over it. Wipe the knife off, Jan. Thanks a lot. I'm out. <laughs> Quote, wipe the knife off, Jan. I got beef with my wife who can't go in on the butter without leaving crumbs all over it. Wipe the knife off, Jan. All right, that got us back on track momentarily. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to PA. Jim, you made it, Jim. What's your beef? Rami, I got a beef with people making a statement and then following it up with the phrase, just say it. And I got one other quick one, Romy. I got a beef with rappers who hit on radio show's wife. Time to give up the goods, Romy. Who was it? Just say it. <laughs> Jim and PA. Just saying. No, it's true. A rapper did hit on my wife back in the day when she was at dinner with a girlfriend in Beverly Hills. I'm just not giving it up. Just saying. 1-800-636-8686. You're running out of time. Get up in here with your beef. If you have a beef, get up in here with a phone call. What would a beef segment be like without Kathleen? I know she has beef. Hey, Kathleen, what's your beef? Packer should be bending over backwards to kiss Aaron's ass. He's given them 16 years of his career, and they repay him by drafting a diaper-wearing baby. Whenever Jordan takes over, I hope they fail miserably with him. Outro. I don't know that she's ever once referred to me by name. I don't know that she's ever once ever referred to me, man. She's just right into it. Right into it. The only part was she forgot to mention how succulent he is. Let's go to OKC. Greg. Hey, Greg. What's up? What's your beef? Hey, Jimmy. My beef is with one at a time guy. I always go to Subway. He goes, I want a tomato. Everything is in front of you. Figure it out, okay? My man, nice job. I know, I know where you're going with that. Um, let's see. I think I'll have an olive, and I think I'll have a green pepper, and I think I'll have some of that uh, vinegar sauce. I think I'll have an onion. I think I'll have a tomato. Did I say that I wanted an olive? Yeah, and I think I'll have a ketchup, and I think I'll have a mayonnaise. He's got a point, man. Just make, just give me your order. Give them your order. Keep the line moving. I'm trying to think what my beef is today. I don't really have one. I should, but I don't. What's pissing me off lately? Let's see. Let's see. Morning routine's been good. I got nothing. I got nothing to add to this conversation. I'm in a good way. We're not done yet. I've got time for one or two more. One eight zero zero six three six eight six eight six. Got to go to the amazing state of Wisconsin, Scott in Wisco. What's your beef, Scott? What's up, Tim? My beef is these people that can't figure out when you get a voicemail to hang up before the beep. Also, I got to call in and listen to this message of you fumbling around to try to hang up, bro. Hey, when you get my message, it's because I don't want to talk to you. Hang up and text, brah. I'm out. Yeah, listen, if there's a message on my phone, it's somebody that I do not know telling me something that I don't give a damn about. 
Friends don't leave messages to friends. Family members do not leave messages to family members. This is 2021. We don't do that anymore. Hell, we don't even talk to each other anymore. We know this. If I see voicemail, I know some idiot got my phone number and are trying to give me something idiotic that I don't want. Agreed. He is Mike Daniels. Mike, it's good to have you back. How you doing, Mike? Tim, that intro, man. Once again, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I'm one for, the, for excellent journalism. You're an excellent journalist. So I want to make sure you always have all the facts. That Guinness World Record was actually broke by a young lady later that year in 2018. So I no longer am the record holder, unfortunately. Okay, but if we're being factually sound, Mike, I said you set the world record for fastest time, and that's still true. That's, that's still very true, very true, very true. Also, talk about a record. I had the longest um, um, fumble return for a touchdown in Lambeau Field by a rookie. You know, so I don't know. They, they, they always seem to not give that one. I think they don't want them knowing that I used to be a great running back, that I could run the ball. I don't know what it is. All right, well, I'll tell you, that. well, I'm going to give you credit for that, and I'm going to say that they can hang that thing up on a wall because that's not coming down. No one's going to break that. My man, Mike Daniels. Yeah. Good, I'm glad. All right, so do we need to set the record on anything else before you and I proceed? I want to make sure we're doing this the right way and we're proper. That I'm extremely excited to get ready to get back to kicking some butt on the field. I set the record on that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can tell already because I've been watching you on Instagram. I would ask you how the offseason is going, but I'm seeing how your offseason is going. You are busting your ass in workouts. How have the workouts been going? How are you feeling physically and mentally right about now? Because, Mike, you sound great. If we had to play tomorrow, I'm ready to rock, okay? It's, it's all about my plan. And I got to really attribute that to my trainer, uh, Jay Caldwell, TBR training. I, I tag him all the time. And, I mean, he's a, he's a humble guy. He doesn't post much, so I post what we do. And, you know, it, it, he, he's got a real good plan. I'm starting the offseason healthy for the first time in two different offseasons. And uh, we are really, really ready. Just super ready, like unbelievably ready. Like how? You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I mean, we're going to we're going to the arcade playing DDR, getting that foot speed up. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're not messing around. No, you're not. I can tell, and I can hear it in your voice. Like, how good is it to be able to go into an off season and feel good, and be able to let it rip and do what you need to do to get ready? How good does that feel? Well, it's one thing to feel good. I feel amazing. See what I'm saying? I, I felt good for uh, seven years of my career. Now I feel amazing. And that's a completely different thing. I don't know if it's that veteran wisdom or it's just the fact that I, I, I got a whole different method of training that, that uh, we got in place here. But it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely different, man. You know, and, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the finished product here. You know, when, when I step on the field across some opposition, the work I'm putting in has got me. I've never felt this prepared this early before at any point in my career. And going back to the same team gives me a huge advantage. I feel like a young man, like a fir- like, like it's my first year all over again, like a first-year guy. We're talking to Mike Daniels, defensive tackle with the Bengals. Mike, I got to know, when you talk about the work you're putting in, I mean, I can hear the excitement. You love the grind. Do you love the actual grind itself and the process, or do you love what it's going to do for you? I, I mean, both. <laughs> Like, I was going to speak to how much I love the grind, but then seeing the finished product, that's that that, that that's equally as, as exciting. See what I'm saying? And when you step on the field and you know that all that work 
is going into this one play that you're about to play, all that work gives you the opportunity to have that one play. See, a lot of times we overlook the one play. We're blessed, and careers are compilations of many, many one plays. So you got to appreciate every one play you get, and there's a lot that goes into, into that, right? And I, I learned so much with the new training, and now I can return and be even better prepared than last year. You know, like I, I know the system. I've had to step into two different – three different coordinators last three seasons. Now I'm able to be with the same guy two years in a row. I was going to ask you, and I think you answered it in part, like you re-signed with the Bengals last month. What did you take away from your time last year that made you know that that's where you wanted to be, that you wanted to stay there, that you didn't want to go someplace else? The coaching. The coaching. Coach Zach Taylor, I can't say enough great things about my man Zach, like he's he, he he's awesome. And then we got Joey Burrow at quarterback. I basically get to see like one of the young greats, and I I get to actually be there, right? Be that anchor on his one of his first few defenses earlier in his career, right? Because he's going to have some other great guys later on. But like he, it's a great opportunity to, to help help make the playoffs between Coach Taylor. He's getting a full. That's second year with with Joe. That's 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 a uh, that, that's a good coaching and quarterback combination, and I'm just glad that I get to be part of it. Coach Taylor respects his vets. You know, he's a players' coach. He's he's just the kind of guy. I can't say enough great things about him. And quite frankly, I, I, that's why you see a lot of us getting free agents. That is high praise for a young coach. Mike Daniels joining us. Now, when you talk about him being a player's coach, when you talk about how he understands and he respects the vets, you're now entering your 10th season in the league. So few guys make it in the NFL. A tiny fraction of those guys make it to the league, end up playing for 10 years. How much pride is there for you in reaching that number? That that Getting into the double digits is... It, it I, it's hard to explain, really, just how amazing and overwhelmingly, like, like you just, just how much emotion that that, that you feel regarding that. I, I, I was told my rookie year by a veteran, I think you might, you're gonna be a ten year guy to stay doing the right thing, and now that I finally got there, I, I just, I just never thought it was a possibility. It's just such a great accomplishment, great accomplishment. Done many things, but that one right there. That takes the cake. Mike Daniels joining us. Mike, how'd you do that? I mean, I can tell in the way you just described it that you kind of got emotional even talking about that and what that means to you and what a milestone that is to you. How did you survive and thrive 10 years in that league? What did that involve for you personally? First and foremost, I always had to give it up to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's before, I mean, that's before anything. And just... The NFL, the NFL is uh, it ain't for the faint of heart, you know, and you have to you have to build like that from the ground up. From when I was a young man till now, I've been preparing, like I've been preparing. You know, my my, my dad, he made sure we were exercising in the house. We got to Iowa, he stayed on my tail. Then and then when I got drafted, he said, "You know what to continue to do. I can't teach you how to play football, but I can make sure." You're staying on top of the things you need to do. And that accountability is there. My body is ready for the punishment. My body's ready for the punishment. 
Mike Daniels is joining us, man. I feel like getting my body ready for the punishment just hearing that. You know, you and I talked last season, and we talked about the mentality that it takes. We talked about the standard being the standard. Remind me, was it your father who hammered that into you, the standard being the standard, or did you pick that up someplace else? That That's my dad all the way, both my parents, my dad and my mom. And my, my mom, you, you weren't allowed to mispractice. Headache, you, you know, you break an arm, you better drink some horrible touch, and it ain't matter. You know what I'm saying? You, she's from the old country. My dad's, you know, a hard, uh, tough guy from, from the inner city. So I get, I get the best of both worlds, man. That's definitely completely from my parents. My sister, who's 12 years older than me, she's a 20-year military vet. So I wasn't getting no slack from her either. My granddad was a cop <laughs> and, you know, lawyer. Discipline runs through my family runs to it Mike Daniels my guest discipline and toughness so like when you get to the NFL does inherently does everybody understand that the standard is the standard and that you need that toughness that discipline or are there some young players that really are actually good enough to get there without actually knowing about the standard being the standard and then do you have to communicate that to them everybody understands that they have to that is grueling you have to put a lot of work that's going to be hard and that's where the vets have to come in to let them know how hard it's actually going to be. I don't think anybody comes into the NFL just thinking that they can sleepwalk through it. I don't care how talented you were in high school, college, you know, or amongst your rookie class. But it's the veteran's job. It's the veteran's job to have the guys prepared, right? Everybody has a chip on their shoulder and a point to prove, even the number one overall pick, because they have to size the dollars and say there's a reason why I'm the number one overall pick. So – Everybody has something to prove. doesn't matter who you are. And, like, what about that number one overall pick? Like, he's got something to prove. He's got to justify that he was the number one pick overall. But what makes him different? What makes him unique? What makes him an outlier? Why is he so special? Well, being blessed to be able to play with two of them in my career with uh, Stafford and Burrow is that there's a different there's – there, there's a different understanding there's a different understanding with those guys, right? Like they know that not only do they have their team on their back, the organization, their franchise, but they're carrying the entire NFL legacy on their back, right? You're the number one overall pick. That means something. And there's a big responsibility that comes with that. And every number one overall pick who I've played against, played with, they've, they've all carried that. They, they've carried that weight. And they've done it in the most respectable way. So there, there's only one way. There's only one. There's only, only one. Every year, there's only one. It could be a real burden if you're not prepared. If you don't have broad shoulders, man, that could crush you. But if you're one of those guys who gets it, understands it, prepares like it, has a skill set for it, that's where the magic happens. Now, listen, anybody who's ever seen you or watch you play knows the power and the strength that you bring to it. But I want you to go back to a video you posted on Instagram earlier this month where you were on a date night and playing Dance Dance Revolution. For anybody who has not seen this, let me just say, the big fella can move some. How would you describe your footwork and your skills? Well, as a guy who's had uh, two um foot injuries that would end people's careers. I'd like to say that my feet are doing really good. They're super quick, very athletic, and I, 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 hey, <laughs> sometimes you got to show people that 
that, hey, I'm a big guy, but them hips, them toes, they they, they get to moving, man. They get to moving. <laughs> you know, I, and it's funny because I used to play the game a lot, and I, I would say it to my wife, I'm not going to lie, the game does feel different at 31, 310 pounds versus 14 years old, 150 pounds. Way different. <laughs> you know, but I'm making it to a workout. I'm making it to a workout. My wife was recording, but – she uh she jumped on there, got on the arrows as well, and um it, it's it's just fun, it's just fun. I'm I'm very excited that we actually have one uh around my way, and I go every weekend. Good, dude. I like that. And I think you've got tremendous moves from a man your size. You mentioned what it's like to be maybe 14, a buck 50. Do you even remember what life was like when you were a 150-pound athlete? Yeah, I got pummeled all the time. <laughs> so that's actually what uh, really drove me to continue to take my training to the next level, right? With uh, really getting into the weight room, right? Walked into high school at about a buck forty, and I left two forty, right? So I uh, I wasn't screwing around, man. I definitely ate my uh, my, my fruits, vegetables, and lean meats, <laughs> if, if you will, and I lived in the weight room. So. The, the, those, those days were challenging, though. Getting on the football field, I remember my first practice and our uh, varsity fullback, you know, I'm holding the bag. He bumps into me. I go rolling on my tail, head over heels, right, literally. And I say, yeah, I can't let that happen to me again. I need to get in the weight room. Wow, man, that's awesome. That is awesome. All right, so final thought. If some young lady ripped your Guinness World Record, are you looking to rip it back or are you looking to get another world record or is that a one-off? How are you approaching that? Uh, of course. Okay, listen, records are meant to be broken. But they can be broken by the same person who set them before, right? So I need to make sure I get my record back, right? And then I'm going to try to find another one, too, to set. That's all about being, that's what it's all about being a leader, right? Let me go set a record and then encourage some other people to break it. And then remind them the standard is the standard, no matter what, in any walk of life. That's right. He is a pro bowler. He is a defensive tackle with the Bengals. He does not feel good. He feels amazing. He played his college ball at Iowa. Michael, say it again, man. I appreciate the friendship. I respect you. I admire you. And I'm glad that you come on this show and you and I, you and I can chop it up like that. It's always a blast. Yeah, man. Looking forward to when we can get in person again, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Until next time, my brother, I will be uh, playing me some DDR to get some new videos. You got it. I love it. Can't wait to see it. You got to try it out yourself. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Jeremy. What's going on, Jeremy? How are you? Doing good, Jim. Thanks for the vine. So uh, I think I got to have a tough conversation with that angry loudmouth in Buffalo. Rick, it was pretty funny hearing you call young students idiots, but you know it takes an idiot to mold an idiot, right? And I almost laughed when you insinuated you trade good grades for intimate favors from your students' mothers. But then I remember the women of Buffalo average 6'3", 250, and drive a Mack truck. Those aren't MILFs, Rick. They're BILFs, and the B stands for Buffaloes. And listen up, little man. There's a new bully in Green Bay, so know your role and shut your damn mouth, or the only uprights being split are going to be yours when I take that big bald head of yours, dip it in disgusting blue cheese, and shove it where the sun don't shine. And while I'm here giving free advice, when you call, take a breath once in a while, for Christ's sake. Because, Rick, you sound like you would rather hurt a man than love a woman. Yeah, Rick, you're the Raider Mike of Jeff and Richmond.
Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Rick's nose is... That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. All right, then. Jeremy, now you're done. Now I'm done. Alvin started to make the Alvin face, so I knew it was coming. I knew the hammer was coming. CJ in the Bay. CJ, what's up? OC James, thanks for the vine, sir. I truly appreciate this valuable jungle real estate, a little bit like Bay Area real estate, right? Matthew in Los Angeles, when I Google you and I see that jailhouse mug, I know you must be a huge mask guy, you know, one of those full neck gator, up to your eyes, hat pulled low guy. That's a great public service, vanishing that subpar grill. Now, you told me to keep your name out my mouth. Done. Bryson may be gloss science, but I hear you dabble in the toilet game. So I rocked back and forth. I strained and thought real hard. Let's gloss you. Mahogany Matt. And Jim, I appreciate the watch list love, but I don't want to end up like that tween who forgot how to speak English and was a mix of Flamian and Tito discharging the Judies. And Tito is dumber than a bag of shark hammers, and he still slapped around Eric at the polls. Your hometown was 4% behind your name recognition and your jungle approval rating may be a tick below that. But Tito's son, Silk, was right about one thing last Friday. I was talking tough, and that's not really me. I'm just an intellectual stoner with an advanced degree living in the most affluent region of the United States. My advice, substitute teacher guy, keep the sugar mama, uh, you know, buddy, because a few junior college credits will not support your pathetic life of part-time teaching and full-time surf narc. Let me talk this off with a familiar voice, but actually make a coherent statement and not some cryptic nonsense. War, Brad and Chatsworth finding a damn shirt. Remember, Bradley, Commodus could have taken Maximus out early, but he missed that opportunity. You make the call creepy. And War, Tree Rollins, CJ Cron, Corey Blunt, and Justin Smoke. Get at me, SoCal. Outro! He's just kind of a nerdy stoner in the Bay. CJ in the Bay. Let's go to Matt in L.A. Everybody gets equal time here. What's up, Matt? How are you? And smack. Thanks for the vine. Hey, apparently BJ in the Bay doesn't realize when he's out of his league. Yo, Beej, your smack has about as much game as NFL football on Tuesdays. And just like this gameless sad sack pimp, NorCal sports is about as exciting as a call from this self-proclaimed nerd, which is not at all. So listen up, Wormser. Your prepubescent smack level makes that teenage zit-ridden flame-out sound like the B.I. sleaze. So stick to your barren land of weak sauce and sports talk that is no cow, you nincompoop. Stop fronting. You can Google search these nuts, homie. We're Iron Craig using... Ah. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Why did you run him, Alvin? Not a very good call. Because he can... Google search D's nuts? Is that why you ran him? Or did you run him because he referred to CJ as BJ several times? And that's not the first time he's done that either. Matt, you got to stop with that. Stop with the BJ references. Stop re-glossing CJ BJ. Stop telling him that he can Google search your nuts. Just basically stop. I'm not saying stop calling because I know that's an impossible ask of you. I know it's impossible for you not to respond to every single punch thrown. 
And I'm not saying you should just let there and somebody punch you in the face, but there are proper responses and there are improper responses, and that was improper. Good night now!